This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. You are listening to The Arenality on RFM. Kia everyone, my name is Arina Aizel and thank you for tuning in on Otago Access Radio for my radio show and podcast The Arenality. Firstly, I would like to acknowledge our listeners on Radio Kidnappers in Hawke's Bay, Wellington Access Radio, Plains FM in Christchurch, Free FM in Hamilton, and Coast Access Radio in Horofenua and Kapiti. Hello from Dunedin, and to our international listeners out there tuning into the podcast, hello from New Zealand. The Arenality is a platform for women with international backgrounds on our cultural identities, belonging, well-being, and passions in Aotearoa. In this episode, we have a very good friend of mine, Crystal Tafai. She is a PhD student in Wahine Maori in Organizational Leadership. Kia ora, Crystal. Morina. Morina is my friend. Kia ora Thank you so much for being here. I am so happy to see a familiar face in front of me, even though this is via Zoom. Yes, so good to see you and thank you for inviting me to come speak with you on your platform. Um, I do want people to know how we met. Um, It's a very, it's a really good um, way of meeting people. So we met on the Asian New Zealand Foundation uh, Leadership Network. Uh, We had an event on rethinking leadership and something really cool about you is that you were studying leadership and you are suddenly studying leadership so you brought so much um, different like ideas on the table which like I really appreciate learning so much about yeah yeah hmm. um would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners yes sure thing well uh um kaupapa Whakarongo, uh, moto hapuri, uh, moto whānau hoki tēnā tātou katoa. Uh, ko wai au, uh, ko Ngāti Mahuta, te whānau āroa taupare ki tu pāroa, uh, Ngāti Kahu ki tauranga, ngā hapu. Uh, I te taha o tōku māma, uh, ko te aitanga a mate te hapu. Kei kirikiriroa e noho ana e nainei, ko Crystal Tawhai a hau. Uh, so firstly, I just wanted to acknowledge you uh, for this this platform that you're leading. Uh, it's so important uh, that we, and really cool, we get to learn the stories of our women in New Zealand and uh, their backgrounds. And uh, also to your family and to your communities and everyone tuning in. Hello. And so, yeah, my family, I, I papa to various locations in New Zealand. And on my mother's side, she also has Australian and American papa. And I've grown up here in Hamilton. I'm living back here and studying at the University of Waikato, doing my PhD. Yay! Thank you so much, Crystal, for um, that beautiful um, pipiha, the introduction. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, a pipiha is a Maori introduction to talk about like where they come from, the families um, that they that joined together and, you know, the um, family backgrounds and the culture that bring uh, within them. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that on our show today. Um, can you tell us about your studies at the moment and how that's going? 
Yeah, sure. Yes. So I'm second year into my PhD. I'm currently going through interviews with uh, Wahine Māori. And the focus of the study is looking at concepts such as belonging uh, and from a te ao Māori perspective and how that uh, may look, influence our leadership within organisations. So the study is looking at a diversity of Wahine identities, leadership, backgrounds and experiences and yeah so it's going it's going well and I'm real privileged to hear the the journeys of our Wahinean organ some of our Wahinean organizations. That's amazing um why did you study that in the first place? Yeah. It's very specific. <laughs> yeah yes yeah. so I've had an interest for some time so I suppose a part of the the topic is there's my own story so uh, I'm using a method called indigenous autoethnography so bringing my story in terms of culture identity and leadership uh, in the journey will be talked about through in the PhD and then also my experiences working in the public service so we were having many discussions around diversity and inclusion so I became curious during that time about those concepts, what they mean and what they mean for diverse groups of people, uh, including Wahine Māori. So what that might look like in an organisation, uh, especially uh, knowing, oh, at the time, I was thinking about that we come from diverse tribal groups, hapu groups, and then diverse knowledge systems. So my, my interest started from there and how our experiences may fit into those discussions. So what was the, uh, what was your personal reason for wanting to study this? Because I know that you went abroad um, for some time and you came back as like a new person with new uh, like worldview. And I do want for um, our listeners to hear about this because it's really remarkable. Yeah, so my culture, so I, I say I didn't grow up immersed in te ao Māori that can mean different I've come to realize that so for me specifically that means I so I did spend time on my my marae and we did have culture in the home I learned some te reo Māori so I had some connection to our culture and to my whakapapa uh, so my fat my my family uh, my extended family so I've grown up in Hamilton with my aunties and uncles my parents, siblings, cousins, nieces, nephews. Mm. And so so I did have a connection. I've realised I did have a connection to Te Ao Māori, but I suppose I come to realise I wanted to learn more in depth about our language and customs. So how I came to that journey was back in 2000. Oh, so, yeah, I began travelling overseas. A big part of my travels was in Southeast Asia, and that's connecting with communities in Southeast Asia through experiences such as homestays. So I got to experience in the north, northern parts of Thailand, I had a homestay. And a part of the process of the homestay, I remember, was similar to porphyry on a marae. Mm. So we had a welcoming ceremony at the start. The customs are different, but the they, they had a process, and I became curious around around that and just remembering that I wasn't immersed, I didn't feel immersed in our culture. So I I wanted to, I I saw that the people I was meeting had quite a strong sense of identity and I felt a confidence in who they are. And so that when I came home from one of my trips, I enrolled into a course to learn. Firstly, I began learning about our history 
uh, is in Aotearoa around or even topics such as colonization. So it's quite a heavy to start with, but probably important. And then beginning, uh, begin, I began the journey in Te Reo Māori and uh, different tikanga on different marae. So I started the journey there. So it was that connection with uh, the Thai, a Thai community, which started helped start my journey reconnecting to Te Ao Māori. And since then, I've been on the journey learning about myself as Wahine as Māori, our language, our customs, and then starting to learn what that means for me specifically to my sub-tribe as well and my family. Hmm. You know, it's really interesting um, when I interview people and they, a lot of them start embarking on learning about their own culture when they are outside of their bubble you know when they travel or when they migrate for example like I've been beginning to learn more about my Malay culture when I'm out of Malaysia Um, and that's usually the case when you are put into somewhere that's uh, that makes your culture very obvious like you're you're embarking in a really different path Um, that's when it's more obvious that you want to learn more about your culture yeah yeah so true (laughs) That's amazing. Um, thank you so much, Crystal, for sharing that. And how are you feeling about your cultural identity these days, especially when you're, you know, studying um, Wahine Maori? Yeah, yeah. So it's I, I see it as an ongoing process, and this um, the study I'm doing is very much means I'm immersed into that. Uh, continued self-discovery of what that means. Uh, I'm, I would say, more comfortable in in the Maori and Maori spaces, and but I recognise that not all. It's not always like that um, because it, for me, in terms of comfort, because I recognise I'm still learning. But I do love through the journey that I am feeling more connected to through my research, say my sub-tribe, and especially learning more about, say one of my leadership influences is my koro from uh, from the East Coast, and learning more through the stories, say through my mother, who shares a lot about whakapapa, she holds a lot of whakapapa knowledge for me, so I'm really grateful that I can learn through her and, and be more connected that way. And yeah, I, I suppose I, I have a more understanding of myself as, as Wahine and as Māori and, a, and an appreciation that we are diverse as Wahine and Māori as well, which I love to explore that through these interviews. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting that you are going to be interviewing all these amazing women um, very soon. Um, it's always like I, I love listening to my friends who do PhDs and they're mentioning like, oh, this is an exciting phase where you actually connect with people and not just like do all the boring writing work. <laughs> um, yes, it's definitely nice to get out there and uh, put the research into conversations. Yeah. Exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, um, I follow your um, PhD journey Instagram. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like you have so much support around you and people who are really excited for uh, you and also like the outcome of your research. It's just, you know, something people will look forward to. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. And you're right, I really do. I have a good support team around me, which really does help, mm. um, especially with the challenges of PhD. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about things that's not your PhD. Okay. <laughs> um, something I do want people to know that we're also on the advisory board together yeah. of the um, Asian New Zealand Foundation Leadership Network. Mm-hmm. Um which is really exciting. It's our first year together. Um, and how are you feeling about that so far? Yeah, so as um, we, we've kind of talked about being uh, meeting recently face-to-face for the first time in ages, has, it was a really good way to rekindle the fires of, uh, because we really do have an awesome movement going with the network for uh, some awesome tr- change in Aotearoa and globally but it's yeah it's feeling it's feeling really good and we've got some cool plans coming up as well mm-hmm. but being with you all as well and we have a, a awesome diverse board too exactly I think that's that what that is what makes it so cool like we all bring so much different ideas and we all bring ourselves like we're so diverse and the experiences we have you know yeah, mm, yes. really. I, I love how you said that too. Uh, bringing ourselves as, and as a part of such an important part of leadership, I've come to realize. Yeah, our, our authentic selves. Yeah. Mm. Talking about our authentic selves and leadership, um, I remember during our event last year, we both connected uh, on the part about like introversion and. Mm leadership um and i like i consider myself an introvert um like and like there are times when um to formulate words i have to write them before i say them or sometimes the thoughts come a little bit later um but what's your view on your personal leadership journey yes okay yeah so i'm really interested in in this topic of introversion as we yes that, I really remember that conversation and it was and it was really good in the context too because many of the women in the space we had a conversation around being which come we felt felt comes into it as being minority the minority woman experiences in organizations so in terms of introversion it's and leadership it, it's quite fascinating to me because I suppose there's been some narratives of of what of historical narratives around there being sort of a dominant leadership style or uh, there being and as we move on there's many discussions like in the space we're in about there being many different leadership styles including those who are introverted uh, yeah those who are introverted I'm trying to think of what I have a lot to say about that which is kind of ironic <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> Where do I start? Okay, well, I, I suppose one the thought that comes to mind and, and in terms of relating to my study is the ideas around voice. So in this in this PhD, we have many voices coming through, which in and in, in what we brought up as well at the, the rethinking leadership hui is that they're not always the voices that are heard in in organizations and i feel like there's a there's sometimes a contradiction between maybe for me personally is is it am i quiet so i thought is am i quiet because 
of my pers- of how I am naturally, or is it because I'm afraid to speak? And mm. what's at play there as to why that's happening in a particular space? So that's the first thought I heard of. So the experience experiences coming through these stories is one way to sort of look at explore that um, that idea of introversion. So. Yeah, I, I suppose that's something I continually think of uh, as being in some spaces. Is, and especially when we say in a meeting for the AB and you want to contribute as well, mm. then working with how you naturally work. So I think I spoke with you, Arena, in the, at the Rethinking Leadership. Oh, no, I mentioned to the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, when we, we had the space. So we had that space to yeah. deal with how we wanted to work together in those in that space and I mentioned that I take a while to process my thoughts and that sometimes (laughs) the meeting might move ahead and I'm still thinking about what was discussed say 10 minutes ago Mm. and then might and then there was uh, it was said you know if you have something to say later just bring it up it's all good and we can go back to that which is great uh yeah so I I kind of resonate with you on and what you mentioned earlier I I am more of, I think there's different types I've read, Arena. Um, some research has shown of introversion, which one is a thinking introvert. Mm. Yeah, so some uh, a person who's quite introspective. I'm still learning what that means, but I feel like I do resonate with that. Ah. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. That's a good term. And um, I'm sure our listeners can do their own research by understanding what thinking um, introversion means. That is amazing. Um, I'm really glad we had this discussion. Um, So moving forward in this interview, I really want for us to talk about well-being, you know, because you are a busy student (laughs) um, and there's a lot going on outside your PhD life as well. How do you maintain a good well-being or, you know, if it doesn't have to be good, it has to be like, you know, doable, (laughs) doable well-being. (laughs) So that's another thing that's, I suppose, ongoing learning for me. But I try to take a holistic approach and draw from many different uh, sources to get my well-being. So some things are sort of the typical things we hear. So I try and get enough sleep. For me, that's sort of seven to eight hours, which I've done for years. So now it's kind of fixed (laughs) for me as a habit. Um, Habit building. So that's something it's ongoing learning for me is forming healthy healthy habits uh, exercise so I love walking and so with walking I sometimes listen to oh I listen to podcasts and, yeah, just like to I, ha- I actually have a favorite park that I go to and I do my exercises there and um, I've got the Waikato River here which is a great place to do walks as well oh meditation yeah, so that's I usually just five minutes and just to focus on breathing and trying to keep my mind still. Uh, mind dumping is a process I do. <gasps> I love mind dumping. Yes, let's talk fun. about that. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. So, mine. I find I've started that not too long ago, but I, I just have it honestly a Google Docs where I just. And I even just look forward to doing it sometimes to know I've got the space where I can just write down my thoughts to get them out of my head. Yes. I call them my brain dump. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think I do it at least once a week, especially on Sundays before the start of the week. Like, what else do I have in this brain that I need to put on paper? You know, um, it really works. It, it really does. It really does. But I find the process, but also just knowing that we've got that there. Sometimes just knowing you've got that there to help you. Yes. Come back to whenever you need. It's such a, and I find something I wanted to mention, Irene, especially for our students, is that well-being doesn't need. I've found, for me personally, that uh, sometimes the most free or cost-effective methods uh, can be the best. And I feel like that causes less stress because you don't have to focus on buying. Yeah, especially as students. Yeah. Which causes yeah. stress, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I suppose that's another thing is uh, because I know there's some discussions I've seen is around, uh, oh, and yeah, there's some great methods too which do um, might require resources and for you to pay for them. But I, I found for me sometimes the most simple um, things such as mind dumping in a document, going for a walk, um, drinking water as well can be can be really helpful but I also believe in treating yourself treating yourself mm. so, and it's not always how I try to eat healthy but sometimes that means having something that's not healthy which I love yeah like you're allowed to have fun foods like once a day you know yeah yes. and even and was, you know Irina it's your yeah, loving food and connection is um yeah just the enjoyment of that food and I love coffee <gasps> okay oh, I'm drinking one right now <laughs> Uh, I actually retired from drinking coffee, (laughs) but I used to, yeah, Yeah. I miss, I miss the taste of coffee, but um, yeah, it doesn't serve me well anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And that's another thing, isn't it? On the journey is realizing what does and doesn't work for us. And I think that's sort of like, it's an ongoing learning because at one point I might be like, this is great for me. And then later I realized, oh, I don't like it anymore. Yeah. And yeah, it's, the journey of self-growth and just learning about yourself and what works for your well-being at the moment. Um, I used to be really good at journaling. Like I would journal every day when I can um, during lockdown. Like that was like what I needed. But now I realize that what I needed is to connect with people. You know, sometimes your priorities of your well-being change. Um, after the lockdown, I need to be around people. You know, I <laughs> if I can meet my friends, I will try my best, you know. Yeah. Yes, uh, I learned that as well. I really, I have, and now I have this real motivation to be around people because, yeah, I suppose we learned that we had to be more restricted. We had Zoom, but the face-to-face connection, I realized I really love and suppose tying into our conversation about introversion and, and the, the different types, it's that we both sound like we both love still connecting and meeting people which yeah. is actually uh, that's actually one of the things I love and for well-being too and that really came to the fore during the lockdowns yeah, yeah. that it's really interesting how people think you know like as an introvert you should yeah. be okay during lockdown yeah. but actually no like we still crave some <laughs> human yes, exactly. connection yes, yeah. yes that's it I, I'm not sure if this is you arena but and a part of introversion for me is I do get energy though being alone sometimes Mm. but it's that um, lockdown made me realize I do love being around people Mm -hmm. yeah there will be shifts um, 
uh, regarding on time, you know. Thank you so much, Crystal, for being here today. And it's amazing to hear how you, you know, take care of yourself. Sometimes when you mention all this, like, I need it to hear it as well. And I'm sure there is someone out there listening who needs to hear it as well. Um, so before we end the show, do you have any final things to share to our listeners? Yeah, yeah. So I suppose um, just tying into our, our conversation today is around the the idea that there's different types of being a leader or these different ways and I think a part of that is in terms of who who we are and being owning that uh, around our identities and bringing that through in terms in terms of leadership and I suppose that a thought I'm just having is around leadership is as the process so there's being a leader and then there's the process of leadership and how that sort of evolves over time as you get to know yourself more. I love that so much. Um, I remember during the event, we talked about how anyone can be a leader. Um, mm. Like a mother is a leader to her, her children, you know, a, a, a sister is a leader to her siblings, you know, things like that. It's like even like thinking outside the organizational leadership, like yeah. we all have different ways of being a leader. Um, and that's really good um, that we had this talk today. I'm really glad that, you know, you brought your views on board and um, it made me think about myself and how I can move forward and, um, you know, do leadership in my own way. Yeah. Oh, that's so, it's, it's been so good chatting with you, Arena. And thank you so much for inviting me to have a, a court it all with you. I'm really looking forward to the next phase of your PhD um, on Instagram. <laughs> yes, oh yeah. <laughs> that is the end of our episode of the Arnality today. I hope you learn a lot about Crystal's cultural identity journey, her passion for understanding different leadership styles, and using brain dumping as a method of taking care of your well-being. If anyone would like to contact me, feel free to email aizelarena at gmail.com. You can also follow me on my Instagram at arenaizel. Otherwise, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye! You've been listening to The Arenality on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.